Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva, and I hope you're ready for a jam-packed, exciting episode. Hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, I hope everyone's doing well. It's almost mid-June. Well, I don't know. It's a week into June, right? I don't know. Whatever. It's just the summer is really flying by, right? Like, is it just me or is it just going by so quickly? Maybe it's part of adulthood, I don't know, but it just feels like time sometimes goes by so quickly and before you know it, it's, you know, a year later, two years later or months later. Like I always have this thing with summer because I hate the cold so much where I'm just in a constant state of almost like anxiety over the summer ending, which is such a weird place to be in. And it's so like not helpful and not productive because I don't stay present in the moment and actually enjoy it while it's warm. I'm just like, oh no, in a few months it'll be cold again. Although I guess um, the prospect of going to Australia for the winters should alleviate some of that. I don't know. Anyway, moving right along, I hope everyone's having a lovely time, really enjoying the summer if you're on the Northern Hemisphere. Um, I have been, you know, like mildly social, um, like pretty good in terms of socialness for me, given that I, sorry, I don't know if you heard that, there's just crazy honking outside. Um, But yeah, given how much I don't socialize, usually I've been doing pretty okay. Last weekend, we went out and met up with one of Ozzy's friends who is dating this girl who I actually talked about in an old episode. The episode is called like Pick Me Girls Pubic Hair or something like that. I don't know, something with Pick Me Girls. And I remember talking about her. It was my first time meeting her and it was actually one of their first times hanging out. It was well before they were together. And I remember in that episode saying that she was kind of a pick me girl. Anyway, fast forward, they're fully together now. They actually just moved in together. And on this particular day, they were out at um, the Williamsburg Hotel rooftop for, I don't know, someone's birthday party or something. I, I have no idea. And when we got there, she wasn't there. And I guess the story was that she... Uh, she ate a bunch of mushrooms and then she decided to leave and um, 
he didn't leave with her and she was super upset that he didn't leave with her and she was calling him incessantly and texting him incessantly while we were there. And I mean, I don't know. I have to say, like it was her first time eating mushrooms. I don't know if I mentioned this. And I remember when he told me that, I just started dying laughing because I was like, wait, she ate mushrooms for the first time and you left her? Like, what a terrible thing to do. But then the story unfolded a little bit more. And he hadn't eaten mushrooms at all. She just ate a bunch of mushrooms. And he had told her not to. She did it anyway. And then she just like ran away. So that kind of put it into perspective. And he got a cab for her to get home. And this is where it kind of got interesting for me. She at some point texts him and says, you're the worst friend I've ever had. And so I was like, hey, um, you guys are dating, right? And he's like, yeah, no, we're like fully, fully together. We're like exclusively together. <laughs> like we're in a relationship. We live together. We're together. And I was like, okay, just making sure because that's kind of an odd thing to say to your boyfriend, but okay. And then, but it also, I have to say, it reminded me of talking about her on the Pick Me Girl episode because to me, that's such Pick Me Girl behavior. It's such that, and it's shit I used to do, so I totally, totally relate, but it's that like, oh, I don't care, like, I don't give a shit, like, oh, you're just my friend, like, I don't know, it's just such a weird thing to say to your boyfriend. But then as we kept talking, I also found out that um, they had met up with his former roommate who I guess is like some kind of supermodel and all of her like supermodel friends were super hot. And then this girl, the pick me girl got a little bit insecure and everyone was kind of doing drugs. And so she just grabs a bunch of mushrooms and does it, which also reminds me so much of how I used to be that like, like I, like I can just see exactly how this was playing out. She sees all these like hot, hot model girls. She gets super insecure. They're all doing drugs. And so she's like, oh, let me be like the cool chick who's going to do a bunch of drugs. And um, obviously things did not go her way. I don't really know how the rest of the night turned out, but it just really left me feeling like I really, really wish this girl would listen to this podcast and not for any self-serving reasons, solely because I think it would help her. Because I've been that girl who tries to act cool and tries to, you know, like calling your boyfriend a friend is in a way trying to make him feel insecure about his position. It's trying to like diminish the relationship that you have. You're trying to, in a weird way, get the upper hand. And it's just... Uh, it's just not successful. It reminds me of the conversation that Mary and I had in a recent episode. I honestly don't remember what it was called. It was something about like turning your traumas into superpowers, something to that effect. It's a very recent episode. And we talked about how it's just so vintage to act like you don't care and try to like act like the cool girl, like the ultimate cool girl thing is to just own how you're feeling. Like imagine how differently the whole day and night would have gone if in that moment when she was feeling insecure, maybe she vocalized it to her boyfriend instead of taking a bunch of mushrooms, having probably the most uncomfortable trip of all time because it's your first time eating mushrooms. You're not in the right setting for it. You're not in the right headspace for it. And your boyfriend isn't even doing them with you. 
And then like she would have saved herself a whole night of like incessant calling, looking like kind of crazy in front of us. Although I have nothing but compassion because like when have I not done that shit? (laughs) You know, I totally relate. But it just the whole night would have gone so much better if she was just honest with herself, number one, about her feelings. And then number two, with her partner, everything would have been different. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day she'll listen to this podcast and then she'll probably hate me if she ever listens to this episode and finds out that I'm just talking about her. But whatever, I didn't use names. But yeah, if you're listening and you can relate to that, uh, there's just there's really nothing like being honest. And it's really number one with yourself because I'm willing to bet that she isn't even aware of these feelings in herself. And then number two, to your partner. But yeah, so that was that day. It was fun. Um, Really, I have no idea how things turned out between them. Ozzy and I left. Um, We stopped by this little bodega where he got a sandwich for himself because he was hungry and the nostalgia because he used to live right there. So he got this sandwich and got me a bag of chips. And then we came home and I made myself some food. Great night overall. Um, This past weekend, on. Friday night? Was it Friday night that the NBA... No, it was Thursday night. Thursday night was the first night of the NBA playoffs. And yes, you heard that correctly. I've been watching professional sports. You know, not to brag. Um, I really haven't watched sports in years. Um, I got a little bit into sports, mainly professional football, a little bit basketball years ago when I was dating this guy who I actually never talk about on this podcast, which is really wild because he's the last guy that I dated before I was celibate for seven years. Like he obviously had a tremendous impact on my life because after that relationship, I was like, oh, I need to swear off all forms of romance for seven years. Anyway, I don't really have a nickname for him. I'll come up with something. But um. Yeah, when I dated him, he got me into football and uh, we watched a little bit of the NBA playoffs together. And then after him and I broke up, I really went into full like pick me girl. And I really did enjoy watching the football, but I also played it up so much. You know what it was that I think is problematic? Like I was watching the football and enjoying it, but I was also acting like I was some kind of expert. Like I've known, like I've been watching football since I was a little kid. Like I know all these things when really I didn't, like I'd been watching it for a season. All I could really speak of was that season. Like it was so unnecessary for me to act like this complete expert in this field. And I think it would have come off as so much cooler and more likable if I was like, yeah, last year I started watching football. I don't know a ton, but I know this much, you know? Anyway, And then when I started law school, I really fell out of watching football because it's just like no time, too much stress. I had an eating disorder. I had too many things on my plate, like really no time for the sports. And Ozzy works in sports. He's a film editor, mainly for sports on TV. So, um, and he just loves watching sports. So I've been watching more with him. And last year we watched just the finals round of the playoffs together. And then this year we started watching together around the playoffs again. And I'm super, super invested to the point where I started placing some prop bets on the games. Like for Sunday night's game, I 
placed a prop bet. I actually placed one that Derek White on the Boston team would steal, have one plus steal. And um, it, to me, it was kind of like a wild and risky bet. I placed $5 on it and I had pretty good odds like in that I would get like a good amount of money if I won. And um, he did steal a ball. So that was a very exciting moment. I totally understand why people become addicted to gambling because let me tell you, that thrill, when I saw him steal that ball, oof, there is nothing quite like it. Uh, okay. Moving right along. <laughs> Um, we also hung out with one of Sammy's friends and her husband and her kid this past weekend, and she's actually a sexologist, and I really want to have her on the podcast, but I didn't bring it up because it was our first time meeting, and I just thought that would be like too intense to ask about. But we had a very long conversation about Cosmo, you know, like Cosmopolitan, the magazine. I started reading Cosmopolitan like maybe late middle school, but definitely by freshman year of high school, I would get every single month's issue. I didn't have a subscription. I would buy them at the store. It would probably cost so much money. It's so much cheaper to just get a subscription. But I remember the days of magazine. There was nothing quite like the thrill of picking up a magazine at the grocery store. I don't know. Don't ask me why. Anyway, this was years before I even had sex. And I remember every issue of Cosmo would be like 25 blowjob tips, you know, like 30 ways to blow his mind in bed, like do this, do that, like all these crazy positions. And it's funny, a few days ago, I was thinking about it. I was like, wow, before I had sex, I really thought sex would be filled with like a ton of crazy positions. I do like one to three positions and that is it. <laughs> like I'm not out here doing the crazy things that were, you know, depicted with graphics in Cosmo. Anyway, but what we, what we were talking about with Cosmo was I feel like Cosmo was so complicit in perpetuating this notion that sex is for male pleasure. Like all of the articles are like how to blow his mind, how to do this, how to do that. None of the articles, not one that I can recall was how to have an orgasm as a female, which is crazy because men are orgasming constantly in sex. Men are always having orgasms. Women, on the other hand, in hetero relationships are rarely orgasming from sex. Like if they are writing any art articles about how to blow anyone's mind in bed, it should be how to ensure that you have an orgasm in bed. And I'm sure Cosmo is so different now. I honestly haven't looked at it in many years, but I just cannot envision a world in 2022 that Cosmo is still putting out the types of articles that it used to put out. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's really upsetting. Um, I think for our age group, we have so much trauma surrounding sex, A, just from our childhoods. I mean, most of us in one way or another grew up in kind of puritanical or descendants of puritanical cultured households that weren't very sex positive. There's always been so much shame and stigma around sex. Many of us went to schools where we were taught abstinence only sexual education. We, you know, were then receiving messages from the media, including Cosmo, but, you know, not limited to Cosmo, that sex is for male pleasure. And now as adults, we have to sit here and unpack all of these layers of bizarre conditioning that we've received around sex. 
So yeah, I don't know. In conclusion, I would love to have her on the podcast, but it really got me thinking. And if you're someone who grew up in, you know, the height of the Cosmo era and enjoyed Cosmo as, you know, basically a child, like before you were sexually active, you probably have layers of this within you too. So, you know, just something to think about. Also on that day when we were hanging out, so they have a kid and the kid is so cute. He's uh, 12 months, I think they said. I guess that's the way parents speak about their children um, in months. And uh, I believe that's a year and a half. He's so cute. And there's just something so magical about being around children because you get to experience the world through the wonder and amazement of a human that's new to this planet and experiencing everything for the first time. Like, it's so cool to see. And he just, he has kind of this almost like old man face, not old, old man, but it's like he looks like a full-fledged British adult who just walked out of a punk rock show and is like mildly annoyed about everything. He's so cute. And we took these photos together. And so Ozzy's friend, the sexologist, who hopefully will be on the podcast someday, although she has no idea yet, (laughs) um, she sent all the photos to him today. And we're looking through them and one of them is a live photo. And when it's still, it just looks like there is a bird above our heads. But when you hold down the live photo, there's nothing in the sky. And then all of a sudden in a split second, something just goes flying through the sky and disappears again. I kind of think it might be a UFO. I know it sounds crazy, but if you DM me, I will send you the live video photo as a video and you can watch it for yourself and let me know. But it legit seems like a UFO to me. And no joke, I will send it to you if you ask me. So just DM me if you're curious. Uh, Okay. One other thing I want to touch on is um, same day we were talking about me being a vegan and the sexologist said that she for a while was raw vegan. She actually had cancer for a while and it really helped her heal. And then she started talking about this raw vegan restaurant she would go to in Manhattan that closed years ago. And I was like, oh my God, is it the place from that documentary. And she keeps talking. I was like, holy shit, it is the place from the documentary. And she has not seen the documentary. So I'm just plugging it here. If you have not seen it, you have to watch Bad Vegan on Netflix. It is fascinating. It's one of the better documentaries I've seen. Although that might be unfair to say because we really are living in kind of the height of documentaries. I mean, there are so many good ones out there. But truly, if if you've not seen Bad Vegan, it is so interesting. It's a must watch. Please watch it. And along with that, I have a few other TV recommendations. Um, I'm currently watching a show on Netflix called Unbelievable. It's actually kind of old, so you've probably seen it, but it does kind of shed light on the issue of women being abused in one way or another, sexual abuse, physical, whatever, and how hard it is to speak up about it. This is something that people have been talking about also in the wake of the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial, the verdict, um, whether you know you believe Amber or not, even if you actually think she was flat out lying and she deserved to lose this case, I think we can still all agree that the verdict does have a bit of a chilling effect on women coming 
forward with abuse and that's something, you know, two things can be true at once. So whether you believe her or not, I think we should all agree that it is going to have that chilling effect. And that's something we really have to think about. Anyway, this show, I think, does a good job illustrating it also. It's kind of captivating me right now. Um, I've talked about Shining Girls a bunch. It's on Apple TV. I believe the season finale just aired. I have not watched it yet. I hear it's phenomenal, but every episode so far has been phenomenal. If you're interested in shows that kind of play with space and time, it's an absolute must watch. Very well done. What else? Uh, Stranger Things is out with its fourth season. Um, I've not started it yet. I actually want to rewatch seasons two and three of Stranger Things before I get into that. Um, Real Housewives of Dubai just premiered. I've not been watching that, but Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is on, so really getting my fix via that. But I will start Dubai soon. Uh, what else have I been watching? I feel like I've been watching a lot of really good stuff. Oh, I'm doing my office rewatch because I'm listening to the Office Ladies podcast. So that's fun. Oh, oh, oh. Barry is back for, what is it, season three or season four? Season three. It's got to be season three. So if you've never seen Barry, it's this extremely dark comedy on HBO. It's so funny. Um, It's a bunch of well-known people, but I don't know people's names. So I don't know the actor's names to tell you, but you'll recognize them. It's so funny. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like an action-y, suspensefully vibe, but it's just a comedy. Like it's not actually that serious. Um, It's Honestly, it's like the best dark comedy out there. And this season has been wild and beautiful and just absolutely poetic. Also, I honestly can't even talk about Barry without thinking about and now sharing the story of when I first learned about the show Barry. So we have to rewind a bit. It was 2019, my first year living in New York City. I was somewhat recently, I mean, no, it had been months since the comedian I comedian and I broke up, but, you know, it was still pretty, like, raw and fresh for me, and, well, no, 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 I was fully over the relationship, but I was very much, like, trying to fill that void with another person, like, really wanted to meet someone to date, and... Out of the blue one day, I get an Instagram, uh, not an Instagram, uh, like Facebook messenger message from this guy I went to college with. Um, I'm not going to give him a nickname because you actually kind of have to know his name for the whole story to make sense. So <laughs> breaking in blush tradition, we're going to use someone's real name. His name is John. John and I went to college together. He was two years older than me in college, I believe. We were not friends at all. In fact, I barely knew him. It was a very small school, so everyone kind of knew each other. I mean, we called it the Social 500, which honestly is such like a condescending and 
very, I don't know, like alienating term that we used for the people who really like went out in college because a lot of people at William and Mary didn't go out very much. So the people who went out all kind of knew each other, but it's a very like cliquish term that I, in retrospect, kind of hate. In college, I really embraced it because I was like finally part of like the cool kids because I really was not in high school. So, you know, in college, I was so proud of it. Like, oh yeah, we all just like know each other. But like, I, it was really coming out of trauma of like, oh my God, I've never been cool. I'm finally like part of like the popular kids, which how lame. Anyway, he was in a fraternity that I really didn't hang out with very much. And um, really the only reason I knew him to my recollection, unless I've forgotten something, is when I first started freshman year, we had orientation and we had these orientation aides. So they're upperclassmen who you'd have two per hall, per freshman hall, who would just kind of take you through the orientation activities. One of my orientation aides was friends with John and they were kind of flirty. And I remember being like, oh my God, he's so cute. Like, I love this for you. That's it. That's my entire exposure to John. Literally, that's it. I don't remember ever, like, I mean, I'm sure I saw him out and stuff, but it, like, we, I don't think we ever had a conversation. Like, we were only Facebook friends because we met early on in the year. And like, you're just kind of Facebook friends with everyone you kind of know, right? Like, that is it. So he messages me one day in 2019 and he's like, hey, how are you? And I was like, hi? Like, what? Like, I don't know. I'm fine. How are you? And you know, when like someone messages you out of the blue and you kind of want to be like, what do you want? Like not in a rude way, but just like you must want something, right? There, Otherwise there's literally no reason that you would message me. And so I'm like, oh, hey. And he's like, you know, how are you doing? And I'm like, good, good. And he's like, you know, how are things? And I was like, great. And you? And he's like, yeah, no, great. Like I'm living, you know, here and I'm doing this, blah, blah. What about you? And I was like, yeah, you know, I recently moved to New York, um, blah, blah, blah. So we have this like 10 message exchange the entire time. I'm just waiting like for him to be like, hey, so I messaged you because X, Y, Z. And I like could not for the life of me think of what it could be. Because again, I barely know this person. And so, you know, we exchanged about 10 messages and he's like, yeah, great. It was great chatting. Bye. And I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Bye. <laughs> like what? Like the strangest thing of my life. And so I'm like, I don't, I literally don't even know what to make of that exchange. Whatever. The next day, John messages me and he's like, hey, like, how are you doing? Like, how's your day? How's your night? And I'm like, hey, yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> And so from there, he just starts messaging me every day. And I'm just like, I literally have no idea what is happening, like why this guy's messaging me. Now, keep in mind, I always thought he was super cute, but like by always thought, it's not like I was always thinking about him. Like the one time we met to the very beginning of freshman year, I remember thinking he was very cute and that is it. And then I never thought about him again because we really did not know each other or interact in any way. But... I remember I've always kind of had this thing and I wonder if other 
people who are kind of like ethnic minorities will be able to relate to this where I've always thought that white guys wouldn't be into me like the white kind of preppy kind of cookie cutter guy like why would he be into me like he would only be into like a blonde haired blue eyed like you know girl next door type like why would he be into like the Middle Eastern like I don't know I'm just curious if you're listening to this and you identify as some kind of racial or ethnic minority do you relate to what I'm saying at all like I I can't be the only one who's felt this way so yeah like I always thought like a guy like that wouldn't be into me so when he starts messaging me all the time really like it, it wouldn't have even been in my top 10 guesses that like maybe he just like is trying to flirt with me, you know, like it just really wasn't even on my radar, but we're messaging every day. This goes on for a month. We graduate from Facebook messenger to text and we're just texting all the time. Like I wake up in the morning to a text from him. That's like, Hey, how'd you sleep? Or Hey, like, hope you have a great day. And then like throughout the day he would text me. And then every night he'd be like, sweet dreams. And Like, as much as we're messaging, that is, like, the extent of how romantic or flirty it ever got. Like, that is it. Like, the sweet dreams was probably the most flirty. Now, he would say um, he lived on the other side of the country. He would say, like, after a month or two of texting all the time, he was like, yeah, you know, I do sometimes come to New York for work. Like, if I'm ever in New York, we should grab a drink. And then he knew I was vegan. So, you know, sometimes when he drank wine, he'd be like, oh, like, are there any vegan cheeses? And so we'd, like, joke about doing, like, a vegan wine and cheese night or something if he was in town. Again, this is the extent of how flirty it ever got. Like, really, the sweet dreams and the vague talks of making plans. That's it. But it was like so sweet. And I was like kind of giddy about it because I was like, what is going on here? Like, I don't like, is this guy who I thought would never be into me, not him specifically, but the type of guy like him into me? Like, is he flirting with me? Like, I don't even know. Like how like novel and exciting. Anyway, a couple of months or so. Oh, also to bring it full circle, he's the one who first told me about Barry. He told me to watch it. It was really good. At the time, there were only two seasons out, and it took them years to come out with this new season. Anyway, really highly recommend Barry. A couple of months or so into us talking all the time, one night he had just like closed this huge deal or something for work, and he was celebrating. And he knew I was stone cold sober at home. Again, I have to emphasize, we had never been flirty beyond a sweet dreams at night or something to that effect. Now, I'm going to pull up, I still have screenshots of this, of what he said to me. I'm going to pull up the screenshots and I'm just going to read our messages verbatim because I really would hate to mess this up in any way. It's just an absolute work of art and it deserves its full glory. By the way, as I'm scrolling through uh, my old screenshots, I'm noticing all of these old messages between me and Rob, who was on a few episodes ago back in the day when we were flirting. It's so funny that I still have these saved. Anyway, okay, I found the screenshot. So they closed this deal. He's celebrating with a few coworkers, and then he texts me and writes, 
back home and having some celebratory wine. I have a meeting with a partner at 10 tomorrow, but this week has deserved wine. Winky emoji, wine glass emoji, smiley face emoji. I double tapped and hearted his message. That is the last time that I responded in this exchange. I think it's very important to note that. This is the last time I reacted in any way, and I didn't even say words. So then he texts and he wrote, disappointed you aren't here to share wine with. Probably the most flirty thing that's been said between us at this point. Now, I'm also, I I don't know why I wasn't responding. I think I was just doing something or hanging out with someone, which is so uncharacteristic, but I'm not responding the entire time. So he says, disappointed you aren't here to share wine with. Next message. And cuddle. Now, holy shit, this is by far the most flirty or romantic or dare I say sexual thing that's been said between us so far. But, you know, we've been texting every single day, like all day, every day for months now. So is it so crazy to say like and cuddle? No, it's probably okay. Next message clothing optional. So I'm going to reread the whole thing so far. Back home and having some celebratory wine. I have a meeting with a partner at 10 tomorrow, but this week has deserved wine. Disappointed you aren't here to share wine with. And cuddle, clothing optional. Okay, we're getting into gray territory now. Keep in mind, it's never been even romantic, let alone sexual. So that's that's already really crossing the line for me. Next message. I hope that would be your preference. Winky face, kissy face emoji. Again, I am saying literally zero words to him. (laughs) Then a while goes by and he sends the two most shocking text messages I have ever received in my entire life. He wrote, Again, I just want to emphasize before I read these, it's never been sexual. It's never been romantic. It's never even really been flirty between us up until this night. And I'm not an active participant in this conversation either. So then he says, I wish you were here, but you'd have to deal with big Lil John tongue out emoji. Big Lil John, like L-I-L-J-O-N, like he clearly is referring to his penis and he's given his penis like a rapper name now. (sighs) Okay. Then he says, secret time. Lil John made a big mess after thinking of you. Winky face emoji, kissy face emoji, eggplant emoji. I just want to unpack this. So this person who literally I barely knew in college messages me out of the blue one day. We start having this like interesting text message relationship for like two months. That's like very platonic, but just very consistent. And then one night out of the blue, he takes it from very platonic to wish you were here, wish you were here to cuddle, wish you were here to cuddle without clothes, to then 
Hey, I just jacked off and jizzed everywhere while thinking of you. And I think truly the most egregious part of all of this is that he's using like baby talk to refer to the whole thing. Like secret time, little John made a big mess while thinking of you. That is disgusting. That is like repulsive. Like I honestly don't even know what to say about this. But the show Barry is forever etched in my mind as connected to Big Little John. So you're welcome. If you start watching the show, you can always think of the story too. Like what a fucking weird thing to do. I honestly, I have no words. And you know what is the strangest thing about all of this is the next day, one would expect maybe he would message and be like, I'm so sorry. I had too much to drink and... I, you know, used baby talk to talk about you, to talk to you about my penis. Like, I literally don't know what to say. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's going on. Nope. The next day he messages me. He's like, hey, hope you had a good night. Have a good day. And I don't respond because like, you know, a girl has boundaries and um, something I'm very sensitive to is men making things sexual before I think there's an invitation to make things sexual. Like that's like a very hard boundary for me. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. So I literally didn't respond. And then like a couple days later or the next day or maybe that night he wrote, I hope your week has been less crazy than mine, but got to, but got the work in and now I can hang with the boys. And then later that night, he texts me a photo of himself and a friend at a sporting event and wrote, let's go revs, which I literally don't even know what sport that is or who the revs are, but that's neither here nor there. Crazy story. In conclusion, watch Barry. And yeah, I don't even know what to say about the rest, but you're welcome because it's it's forever etched in my mind and it should be in yours as well. Okay. But anyway, moving right along. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about biohacking today. There's really, there's no good way to transition from that to literally anything else on the planet. So we're just going to roll with it. So um, Ozzy listens to a lot of podcasts and he listens to a lot of podcasts from these like biohacking type of guys, right? So like the kind of the tech CEO type who intermittent fasts and does bulletproof coffee and spends time in like hyperbaric chambers and does cryotherapy and ice baths and has like 14 red light machines all over the house and does NADIVs and, you know, experiments with peptides and all that shit. And I love listening to them talk because it's the way they lay out their days. is like there's it's the most inaccessible thing on the planet. A, half of these things cost a million dollars. B, who has the time? Who has the resources? Like, do you have a girlfriend? Because like I can't imagine a world in which you're also juggling like a relationship and a job while doing all these crazy things. But sure, whatever. But here's the thing. Some of the things that they mention, I'm like, oh, I do that. Oh, I do that. Oh, I do that. And like, these are like actually easy things to do. So I wanted to do an episode talking a little bit about biohacking. And I don't really like that word. It is kind of douchey in my opinion, but you know, it's, I think it illustrates the point I'm trying to get across. There are ways that you can optimize your health, that you can, like little things that you can do that 
make your well-being so much better. And when you physically feel better, you emotionally feel better, your relationships are better, and you know, it all affects each other. So I wanted to put together a list of free or near free, pretty cheap, very accessible things that you can actually do that, you know, are in the biohackers toolkit that actually work, that I personally do, that I can speak for, that literally anyone can do that are completely accessible. Okay. Number one, this is something I just started doing, so I can't speak to it too much, but it's really been working for me. And it sounds really fucking weird if you've never heard of it. Mouth taping. Okay. So the premise is that we should be breathing out of our noses, but a lot of us, myself very much included, are mouth breathers. And there's a lot of reasons for this. I've actually been reading a book about it and it does a really deep dive. I'm not going to bore you with all of it today, but mouth breathing is associated with increased oral health problems. Um, Basically what happens is our saliva neutralizes acid and washes away bacteria But when you breathe through your mouth, your mouth gets dry and dry mouth is a cause of gum disease, tooth decay, cavities, et cetera. So breathing through the mouth increases these types of, you know, oral health issues. Mouth breathing, especially at night, will cause snoring and sleep apnea, which disrupts deep sleep. You actually end up getting less oxygen when you breathe through your mouth than you do through your nose, which is interesting to me because it seems like it's just a bigger hole, right? Like once you get more oxygen, but studies show otherwise and getting that less oxygen can actually cause ADHD, chronic fatigue, tiredness, brain fog. In children, it'll cause speech issues like lisps and stuff. It'll cause crooked teeth, jaw misalignment, um, you know, to bring it into the superficial and aesthetics. It'll cause a receding chin and jaw. So if you're not a fan of how your chin looks, what's crazy is mouth breathing will bring about these facial changes so quickly. And if you just start breathing through your nose, it'll reverse it really quickly, like in months. I thought it would take generations, but literally months. And Mouth breathing causes more congestion, which is ironic because the reason that people mouth breathe often is because of congestion, but basically breathing through the mouth just makes it worse and worse. You breathe through the mouth more. Now, one thing you can do is literally tape your mouth shut at night, and that forces you to breathe through your nose. So I've been doing this for a few nights now, and it is the best I have ever slept. I drift off so quickly into this kind of like euphoric, blissful sleep state. I can't even explain it. I'm not waking up in the middle of the night to go drink water like I usually do. I'm not waking up to go pee in the middle of the night. I'm just sleeping through the night and wake up in the morning like a fresh and refreshed, like like a baby that just emerged out of the mother's womb. I mean, it is everything of the sort. I use a special kind of tape that's um, meant for skin so that it doesn't irritate the skin. If you're curious about this, DM me. I'll send you the link to the tape that I use. Honestly, I don't know. I'm just starting to do this. I don't want to give medical advice, but it's working for me. Number two, 
practice gratitude. Now, this is completely free. I've talked about it before, but in case you haven't heard that episode, I'll do a bit of a refresher. You want to every single day list three new things that you're grateful for. Now, they have to be new. They tried this on a group of Amex bankers, like an experiment, and they found after a while that there was no measurable change in their happiness levels. But what they noticed was that they were repeating the same three things every day. So it was like, you know, my family, my job, my health or whatever. And they're just kind of doing the same three things. And I used to do this years ago and I would repeat myself all the time but you have to actually do three new things every day. And you kind of want to focus on the why. What happens is as your brain is scanning for the positive things to be grateful for, those neural pathways that look for the positive things in life become stronger and stronger. And so your brain becomes better at seeing the positive things. Studies show that low-level pessimists become optimists by day 22 of doing this. So it's part of my daily habit. It's literally free. It's not a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. You know, it's not like a full-fledged red light therapy device that costs six grand. It's completely free. It'll take you five minutes. You can do it every day. It will measurably increase your happiness levels. Number three, novelty. And by novelty, I mean experiencing new things. Novelty stimulates the release of dopamine in your brain. Dopamine is a chemical that makes us feel good, and it's a chemical that's motivating. So if you, like me, suffer from low-grade depression all the time and largely have no motivation to do anything all the time, you want to release some dopamine. Novelty will do that for you. Novelty also captures our attention and makes us be more present, which in turn makes you feel good. Novelty also changes how we perceive time. It makes time pass more slowly in a good way, like the way it did when you were a kid. Remember how on the top of the episode I was complaining that summer just seems to whiz by? It's because is whiz a word? Is whiz by a word or is whiz just a word for P? I don't know, moving right along. But it's because we're adults, like we've seen it all before. It's it's just, you know, it's it's summer after summer after summer. But remember when you were a kid, you were really in the moment and like the summers just felt like forever in a way, like in a good way, like you were just so in the moment. That's what novelty does for your brain. It also makes you more resilient to bad things happening. And it's actually really good for learning and memory. And that's because the, um, I'm totally going to mispronounce this, the substantia nigra slash ventral segmental area or the SNVTA area of the brain, also called the novelty center, is closely linked to the hippocampus, hippocampus and the amygdala. And what happens is because these areas are closely linked, the hippocampus is the learning area of the brain. So novelty increases the plasticity of the hippocampus, which means it increases the ability to create new connections between neurons in the hippocampus. Therefore, it increases the potential for learning new concepts and facts. It also stimulates the amygdala, which is closely tied to memory, so it improves your memory. 
So some ways that you can increase the novelty in your life would be to walk or drive a different route than usual. So if you're, you know, driving to work or wherever you usually go, take a different route, take a bit of a detour, change where you eat your meals. So even within your house, if you sit at a certain chair, usually sit at a different chair, go to new places, shops, restaurants, etc. pick up new hobbies, visit new places. If you can't afford to go away for a trip, staycation at a new hotel, reorganize your house, change the layout of furniture. I mean, these are literal free things you can do, but honestly, the easiest one for me is just walk somewhere new every day. It's completely free. It stimulates the release of that dopamine. It gets you happier. It just literally improves your life from a scientific, you know, neuroscience perspective. Number four, now this one isn't free, but it's certainly not expensive in the way that, you know, the like cryotherapies of the world are. Chlorella. Chlorella is a single-celled green freshwater algae. I take chlorella tablets. I would recommend getting ones that don't have fillers. You can DM me for the one that I take. Now, chlorella is super, super nutritious. It's 50 to 60% protein. It has all essential, all nine essential amino acids. It's full of iron. It also has vitamin C, which increases the absorption of the iron. It's full of antioxidants. It's a good source of minerals and B vitamins, good source of omega-3s. It enhances the immune system. It may improve cholesterol. Um, You know, it may lower blood pressure, improve blood sugar, good for respiratory diseases. It may enhance endurance if you're a bit of an athlete. It's good for eye health, for liver health, for digestion, for PMS. It's good for your skin. And this is the part that I want to get to, which is, you know, how the biohackers of the world use it and frankly, the reason that I use it too. So maybe I'm a bit of a douche also. It's a binder. Now, what I mean by binder is that it binds to heavy metals, harmful chemicals, and other toxins in your body so that you can then excrete them. Without binders, those harmful things, the toxins, get reabsorbed by the colon. So you want to take a binder so that you can pass them. It's especially good to take a binder before you do any form of sweating. So I like to do saunas or steam rooms all the time. If you're an exercise girly, go off. Um, Whatever it is, you know, if you're just going to walk outside in the sweltering heat, whatever, take some chlorella beforehand. And what's really cool about chlorella, unlike other binders, there are, you know, thousands of different types of binders, but other binders will bind to essential minerals and things like that also. But because chlorella is a living organism, it doesn't bind to the things that you actually want in your digestion. You know, it doesn't bind to the minerals and things like that that you want to actually consume. It only binds to those harmful toxins and then helps them leave your body. Okay, so that's really the most expensive one. Again, if you're interested, DM me. I'll send you the one that I take. I will say I feel like my skin looks better and better the like more consistently I take it. Number five, reduce the amount of blue light. Now, I know I've talked about this before, but it's such an important topic that I think it deserves being talked about again. And there are plenty of free ways to do this. So the sun right? Our original source of light has all these different rays of light. It has, you know, red, orange, yellow, blue, green, etc. 
Now, the levels of these different colors vary throughout the day. So when the sun first rises, there's more of the warm tones, more of the reds and oranges and yellows, and very little blue and green. As the day goes on, the amount of blue and green increases to a max at noon, and then the blues and greens go down again, and the reds and oranges and yellows increase up until the sunset, which is pretty much just red. Now, blue and green lights, blue especially, is a very stimulating shade. It's highest at noon because that tends to be historically, you know, when we lived in accordance with nature, when you would crash. And so the blue light would stimulate you, it would release cortisol, which gives you energy so that you can make it through the rest of the day. The problem is our modern lights, and this includes our phone screens, have blue and green lights at a ratio that is equivalent to the noon sun. So every time you look at your phone screen, you're telling your brain it's noon and your brain releases cortisol. That cortisol gives you energy, but it also makes you stressed. It increases stress. It does all these terrible things for you. It disrupts your sleep, yada, yada. So what you want to do is reduce the amount of blue light in your house. And one of the easiest ways to do this is to change your phone screen so that it's warmer. Now, I have mine on an automatic setting where it's warmer all the time, except right at noon up until 2 p.m., it'll be like a normal iPhone screen. And let me tell you, it is exhilarating for those two hours. It looks so beautiful to me. I just like can't get over how excited it makes me feel because it's releasing that cortisol. It's exciting. But the rest of the time, it's on a warmer setting so as to not fuck my hormones, not disrupt with my sleep, not make me stressed, etc. There's a tutorial on the Blush Instagram on how to do this. Um, if you have any questions, DM me. I'll send it to you. I'll walk you through it. It's super easy. It's literally free. Some other things you can do is after sunset, turn off all the lights in your house. You can use incandescent bulbs. Um, I'd recommend blackout sheets for when you're sleeping so there's no light pollution. Using a sleep mask, especially one that actually blocks out all lights. Um, Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-O-X, has an excellent one. This is not sponsored in any way, although if you guys want to do a partnership, hit me up. Um, You can get blue light lenses, but those aren't free. This iPhone thing is totally free. And just being mindful of the amount of light that you have on is free. And in fact, it'll save you money. Just light some candles at night. Go like full Amish. I mean, it's something I've been doing for years. I love it. Moving right along. Number six, the final one, and this is super easy. Take some cold showers. Now, the biohackers are all about the ice baths and the cryotherapy. I've done cryotherapy. It's it's expensive as fuck. Cold showers, free. And some of the benefits of doing cold therapy are it increases alertness, it increases oxygen intake, it increases circulation, which is good for heart health, wound healing, brain sharpness, it makes your skin glow, it could help you lose weight, which is kind of crazy, but apparently 
brown fat cells, which is a type of fat cell in our body, will burn fat in order to generate heat to warm you up when you expose it to extreme cold. So cold therapy actually can help you lose fat, which is kind of crazy. It's um, good for your hair. It strengthens hair cuticles. It reduces inflammation, better sleep, boosts energy. And it's so easy. I would start with just 30 seconds of the coldest setting on the shower. Work your way up to doing three minutes if you can. If not, just stick at 30 seconds. Do it daily. Boom, you're good. It's free. It's easy. You're going to shower anyway. Just do 30 seconds on the cold setting. These are my six tips of how to biohack in a free or near free way. You don't have to do all these crazy expensive things. There are accessible ways to improve our well-being, which in turn makes us feel better, makes you have a better relationship with yourself, better relationship with others. And that's what we're all about at Blush, just improving our lives and you know, these are easy ways to do it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Have a really good week, you guys. I have a really fun interview next week, so you won't have to just listen to me ramble by myself. And hopefully we'll have the sexologist on soon. Anyway, love you guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone. If you know people who are, you know, into health and wellness or maybe not as into health and wellness as they should be, you know, they're kind of lagging on taking care of themselves. And, you know, everyone makes excuses of like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have money. These things are really easy and they're free or near free. So share it with someone who you think would benefit from it. It helps me. It helps the show. It helps you. It, You know, we create an environment of more happy, healthy people. It's good for all of us. Leave a review. I know it's annoying. I know no one likes to leave reviews for podcasts, but it honestly helps the show so much. Um, you know, rate, review, subscribe, share. Most of all, share so that we can just... We can get more like-minded people on board with us. Anyway, love you guys. Have a good week. Bye.